This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello. Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Ethic Podcast. Um, today we actually have some exciting stuff for you because we're going to be talking about the Ron Garros qualities, but that's probably going to come at the end of the episode, both because I'm lazy and it's going to be easier for me to edit it in this way because, uh, well, we're meeting on Saturday since all the challengers this week had Saturday finals and then Ron Garros qualities draw comes out on Sunday, so we're going to meet again tomorrow. But um, also because, well, after all, it's a, it's a challenger show and Ron Garros qualities is like a you know barely a challenger so anyway four challengers this week two on 75s Jakub I'm gonna leave you the uh, right to choose where we start I I think I'm, it, it's not gonna be controversial if we start with Bordeaux because that that felt like the the, the bigger event coming in and it delivered uh, on that uh so we had Hugo Humbert beating Tomas Martin Echeverri 7-6-6-4 to win his ninth challenger title back-to-back Challenger 175 titles uh, interrupted by that Rome uh, loss. Uh, but he he, he won both uh, that he entered. Uh, beat Arthur Fields, was pushed uh, severely by Onclan, 7-5 in the third, the only player who really pushed him all week um, un- until Echeverri in the final. Those, those were close sets. Then Vavrinka, 7-5-6-1, Gasquet, 6-6-2. Umber jumps up 12 spots, number 38 in the rankings. Now 350 points of his 1,026 points have come across these last three weeks. He makes it back to the top 40 for the first time since January 2022. What did you make of Hugo Umber this week? Um, yeah, um, the, what you mentioned, you know, the, the fact that he played one guy where you would think that this could be routine. And he went so deep with him. And then uh, he basically dominates everyone else. As he said, I mean, the guy, the guy won a couple of Challenger 175s this year, and there's only five Challenger 175s, so the point gain is just massive. Um, also, just such a funny story that he lost to Rusevuori in Madrid and Rome in round one, and in a way, he can actually thank Rusevuori for this, because he was <laughs> able to play Cagliari in Bordeaux, right? I mean, if he stays to uh, until, like, I don't know, the third round in Madrid and Rome, he actually gains gains less points which is wild to think about. Um, we were surprised um, about him uh, choosing Cagliari instead of Aix-en-Provence um, in, um, in the first week, well, in the, you know, in the second week of Madrid, let's say that. And uh, here he actually went to Bordeaux, which I think was a very good choice. Did this, this tournament also seemed a bit faster to me than like maybe usual clay. I don't know if that actually um, is true or not, that that's just how it seemed to run the stream. So of course that's great for Umber. And yeah, generally over the, the past four weeks, he has displayed um, something that we have not seen from him before in terms of his performance on the dirt. Definitely not. Um, also, his use of the drop shot was so excellent. And um, that's uh, maybe a tool that he's going to be able to employ on other surfaces now. Of course, it's like most effective on clay, but 
maybe it's going to be something new to this game. And someone actually on Twitter today asked me like whether I think Umber is going to be the top ranked French uh, top ranked Frenchman at the end of the year. And um, like I think bearing a full on breakthrough from from Fields or something, this is really looking really likely, especially with the grass season incoming, the second part of the indoor season, season you know, so to speak, incoming. He has a fantastic chance to achieve this. And of course, making getting such results, getting such huge points on clay is just um, something that will help him, um, you know, in, in, but basically something that we never would have expected and he never would have expected. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it just showcases the, the power that these big new Challenger 175s have. I mean, who would have expected that you can go, you can come in sort of like top 80-ish, I think is what he was uh, coming into Cagliari and come out of it sort of in contention now for, for seeding at the slams. Like he, he, he might be seated at, at Wimbledon now, thanks to these two titles. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, and for him to take this step forward, he is the new French number one, deservedly so, and he will probably remain there for the rest of the year. Uh, as for our finalist, Thomas Martin Echeverri, also your pick. It was his 10th Challenger final, first one since Montevideo 2022, although he has made uh, both uh, Santiago and Houston finals this season on the main tour. He has lost his last seven finals now, which is which is quite wild. Only one of them really being a bad loss to, to Olivieri in that Montevideo final. Uh, this week, he beat Ilya Ivashka 7-5-6-3, then took out Kazo in two tight sets. Beat Ramos Vinolas, 6-3-6-3. Struff, who was my pick, 6-4-6-2. So he, he was also looking very solid coming to the final. Up 15 spots over 46, breaking the top 50 for the first time in his career. What did you make of Echeverri's week? Yeah, um, I actually did not make the connection myself, but now that you mentioned it, I remember us talking about him like losing most of his finals and, or like getting to you know 15 challenger quarterfinals a year, but only really making it deep in. Uh, I mean, only really taking the title at two, three. Um, but uh, yeah, this year, uh, this year actually, he's of course made the jump to the ATP tour, which is something that. I think we like all knew that it's possible. It was just like a matter of maybe they're just getting some experience, just maybe um playing with more um yeah, just maybe playing playing more freely in these bigger events, something like this. And yeah, this is a very good run, hundred percent, as we were talking about last week, as we just mentioned already. Bordeaux was just so strong. And if you have to beat Ivashka, Kazoramos, Vinolas and Struff to get to the final. Uh, that's just insane. Perhaps not the best showing on Sunday, oh, Saturday, sorry. Um, as you said, he was my pick, but I'm not really that angry about it, right? Like, I, I still got another point this week, which uh, we'll get to, of course. But, um, you know, he played Umber. I couldn't really expect anything else, I think, than a 50-50 match. Probably, like, his backhand was a little too shaky. But, yeah, still a very, very solid week. And I guess precisely what we expected from him. Yeah, I mean, as we'll get to you, you have an embarrassment of virtues when it comes to your successful picks. Uh, now, I mean, you 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 have been on a, a very impressive tear. Like, I don't remember the last week that you haven't. Yeah, it's like four weeks in a row, I think, yeah. with a with a correct peak. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I've I've gotten nothing in that time. I'm, it's I'm gonna be hard though cooked. to to maintain it now, right? Because <laughs> next well, week yeah. you have one challenger. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the pressure gets really turned up for you to to keep that streak in Skopje. Right, let's talk about our semi-finalists, starting with Jan Lennart-Struf, who was my pick for the title. He beat Kirian Jacquet, 6-3, 6-3, Corentin Mute, 
6362, but could not really make a dent in Echeverry. What did you make of his performance this week? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He was actually quite terrible in that semifinal. Uh, but I guess that's fair. Like, you know, we're we're never going to get consistency from Jan Lennart Struve, inter- yeah. at least in terms of, you know, playing every single match the same or something like this, just having the floor be- become very close to his ceiling. I know he's had a number of very good deep runs this year already, so there is some sort of consistency there for sure. But again, like, if you're expecting this guy to just be winning every single event... Probably not going to happen, but of course the peak level is insane. Let's remember that between the Monte Carlo runs and Madrid runs, he lost to Alexander Richard in Munich, right? And Munich is yeah. one of his favorite events as well. I mean, he was even a lucky loser into Madrid, but of course uh, we are all in awe of what he did, what he's done already this year. This is already his best career season, I would say, regardless of how what he does from here. Absolutely. And um, yeah, just just a just a very poor showing in the semis, but um, he was fine in the first two rounds, as you as you like correctly mentioned last last week. He really had a very good draw until the semis, so um, yeah. you know picking him for the title definitely made a bit of sense. Yeah, I mean, speaking of weak showings in the semis, we also had Trisha Gasquet <laughs> make the semis. He started with a with great comeback win over uh, Tanasi Kokinakis, 1-6-7-6-7-5. Then he beat Mikhail Imer, 7-6-6-3, going 16-14 in that first set tiebreaker. Uh, but yeah, by the time he got to the semis, he was destroyed by Umber, 0-2. What did you make of the veterans week? Yeah, didn't have that much left, I guess, for the semis, which sounds kind of weird after two matches. But, you know, Kokinakis over three hours, rough battle. Uh, then Imer, yeah, the first set was like, what, 90 minutes or something. Um, pretty uh, tense. Uh, I don't know if high quality, but definitely tense. And yeah, just, just got completely overrun by, by Umber. Um, it, they, they seem to be running into each other quite a lot this year, right? I, I remember them playing... Well, actually, it wasn't it wasn't this year, but over the course of like the last sixteen months, they've played four times. But twice this year, Umber has already defeated Gasquet. Both times, they, they there have been some like fitness concerns because uh, the Australian Open was right after Gasquet won that ATP two fifty title. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, certainly that that semi was just nowhere close. Yeah, uh, out of the quarterfinals, I wanted to mention Corenta Mute. Uh, who came in, beat uh, Hertz 6-1-1-6-6-3, and then beat Dominic Thiem 7-6-6-1, which I wasn't expecting at all with how he's been playing, especially that match over Hertz, that was, that was messy, but got uh, a good win, his best result of the season since that injury. Uh, couldn't really make uh, too much of an impact in the Struf, but what did, you, what did you make of Mute's week? Turns out you can play tennis without a backhand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have said this a few times before, but I, I do feel very sorry for him because, you know, at the end of 2022, it seemed like he was just going to be able to, yeah, just take his game to a, to a whole new level. He had some sort of consistency of results that has never really been um, something, you know, that, that he uh, possessed. And um, I, some of the tournaments that he played in the latter half of 2022 are just fantastic from him. And, you know, then this comes and he still cannot hit his backhand normally. I mean, he has to play either one-hander or slice it, which is what he does 95% of the time. But yeah, uh, Muteo over team was not an upset I expected, precisely for this reason. Yeah, and we also had a, a, a historic moment uh, with Andy Murray and Stefan Verka meeting in the mm. second round. 
the, the first uh, meeting on the Challenger Tour between two Sun champions is 1981 in Sanremo, where Ilya Nastasa beat Jan Kodesh. Of course, the match itself didn't really deliver. Vavrinka won 6-3-6 love. But uh, yeah, what, what did you think of this moment or what, what the two guys did this week? Yeah, I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking of that. Um, but I saw the stat that you mentioned. So definitely a very cool story. Um, and yeah, the match was just so short. I guess most of the time when Vavrinka played Mare and Clay, that was the case. You know, besides that one peak, uh, like like three seasons where we had Clay Mare do some amazing stuff, right? But otherwise, it was usually like this. And um, I mean, there's a very, very, very clear reason for it. And um, maybe just winning three games after after taking the title next on Provence was still a bit harsh on Mare, though. Yeah. Uh, over in the doubles, we had Lloyd Glassboil and Harry Heliovara win their first Challenger title since 2021 when they had their breakout year on the Challenger Tour, winning three titles. Uh, this week, they beat Shadi and Olivetti in the quarterfinals, Herbert and Mahu in the semis. Herbert, who, of course, uh, had that funny moment where he lost in qualifying of Oyerash and then entered doubles with Mahu, uh, which which is legal, uh, but it yeah. is very funny like was Mahu just going to not play if, if he qualified or I, I, I don't know what the, what the deal was first time I've seen um, this um and yeah, as you said it, it is legal uh but yeah I um usually just isn't possible because the doubles draw is already out but yeah. of course with the um you know with the challenger 175s there's some other you know the, the times of the draw are usually different than usual usually different than usual well and um, of course, Bordeaux and Turin just had their doubles draw on Monday, so that's why it was possible. But yeah, definitely quite wild. I, um, I've never seen it before, and I doubt that that's happening. Like you know, any often because yeah, usually it's just not possible. Yeah, and, and then you have a whole second person just, I mean, I, I guess, hoping that you lose. <laughs> I guess it's Nicola Mai. Like they, they would have given yeah. him a wild card with someone else, I suppose. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so in the final, they beat Dumbia and Ebol, their 23rd challenger final together. Did not drop a set heading into the final, but couldn't really make too much of an impact against Glasgow and Heliovara. We can go over to Turin, where we had Dominic Kepfer win the title over Federico Gallo. I wonder if anybody had this in their predictions as the final going into the week. 6-7-6-2-6-love, uh, Kepfer's fourth challenger title. Second this season's uh, fourth final already this season. He's been on a tear. Of course, the the last day was the semis and the final played indoors, which was a big factor. Indoor hard uh, in, as well. Yeah, in in indoor yeah. hard courts, yes. Uh, which yeah, that, that definitely changed uh, a, a lot for for everybody involved. But yeah, Kepfer came into the situation and he he was the most likely to sort of take advantage of it, and and he delivered. But even before that, he was he was playing well, uh, beating Sepieri 6-2-6-2, Varillas 6-4-5-7-7-5, defeating Lavagno, who made the quarterfinals 6-3-6-1, and Galan in the in the semis indoors 6-4-6-2 before beating Gallo. Up 35 spots number 114 for Kepfer. How did you like his week? No, I mean, he was on fire. I mean, he, he, he has been on fire, you know, for... In four out of six uh, last, I mean, in in four out of his last six events played, he's made the final. Um, yes. Since that rough start to the year on clay, he has definitely been just excellent, and uh, looks like he's going to be back in the top one hundred in no time. 
uh, which is amazing because I guess we never really thought that it would be this quick. Then again, um, with what you mentioned, I mean, indoor hard, if you get uh, Gaio, Baez, Galan, and Gepfer, it's clear that he's the only the only one who can really play on it. Uh, I mean, Kepfer um, has an indoors record of like 49, 33 in his career. I guess with these matches, it would be 51, 33. He did pretty well last year in some challengers as well, right? Won Calgary at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, Gaio is sub 50% indoors in his career, but like at least has a lot of experience on it. But Baez is 2 and 6, uh, Galan is 2 and 13. So, yeah. you know, these guys were really screwed over by this. Um, it's kind of weird Enjoy. that. It, Turin, like you only get indoor hard courts apparently. Apparently, they were also the practice courts used for the Nito ATP finals, which is a fun, mm -hmm. fun twist here. But um, yeah, I mean, Kepfer definitely was given a huge helping hand. Was he going to win the title? We can't really know that. I mean, Kepfer Galan looked like a 50 50. Um, Kepfer Baez would have looked like a 50 50 as well. Um, but you know that 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 shouldn't really take away the credit for what he's been doing in the past two months or so, and also how good he was in the first few rounds. Yeah, I, I was also maybe a, a bit surprised that they didn't have a clay court. Uh, I, I did, however, appreciate that they had streams for yes. for the indoor matches, unlike uh, all the other times that <laughs> that we get, uh, you know, uh, a, a week finishing indoors. So so that was nice to see. Uh, but yeah, definitely changed the the outcome of this tournament in a major way. As for Gaio, it was his ninth challenger final, uh, four and five in those finals. His first one since July 2021 in Todi. Uh, now eight of his nine finals have been in Italy. He made two M25 finals this season. This week uh, in qualifying, I think he got a bye and then he beat Gola. Uh, but once he was in the main draw, he beat Oscar Ote, 6-4-7-5, got a late third set retirement from Gukarabei at 5-2 in the third, uh, then beat Cuiarini, 6-4-6-3, and indoors beat Baez, 7-5-6-3. And with this run, he essentially single-handedly saved his career uh, as he was, you know, 31 years old, uh, outside the top 300. He now moves up 106 spots, number 231, back in the slam qualies range. So, yeah, great week from Guy. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, of course, he had a disastrous 2022 campaign, but since the beginning of the year, there's been signs of improvement all over the place. I mean, he is 30 and 14 for the year, which, of course, is pretty great. Of course, there's some ITF matches in there. Of course, there's a lot of challenger qualifying in there. But still, that's just so much better than what he was doing in 2022. He's already had the quarterfinals in Mexico City and Santiago. And he is probably the biggest benefactor of the fact that Turin had such a, I mean, not a crappy draw. It's still a challenger 175, but just so much weaker than Bordeaux, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that helps him so much. And um, sometimes you just have to be, like, in the right place at the right time, right? And uh, one yeah. of the examples of that was also him playing bias indoors instead of clay. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's not that much of an accident like if it if it happened last year around this time uh it would have been much more accidental than, than right now because he really has been improving yeah let's go over to the semi-finalists starting with sebastian Baez, who was my pick for the title he beat ricardo bonadio 6462 over king chago sebosfield 643663 indoors lost to uh gallo 
as we said, his first challenger played since November 2021 in Campinas. What did you make of Baez this week? Yeah, still a bit disappointing, I think, for him, because you would still expect him to be the favorite against Gaio indoors, right? I mean, the Italian is not a particularly good indoors player either. So, um, you know, Baez saying that he, well, maybe doesn't have that much indoor experience, but still played like the next-gen finals and did decently well there. I mean, made the semis even. He um, also, I think, played Shelton this year and and played a pretty decent match in Auckland when uh, when it was moved indoors. So a bit of disappointment for him. But yeah, I mean, he, he moved through a couple of very good opponents earlier. So um, definitely can be slightly angry at the fact that the weather was like this. But as we know, I mean, even from not really from tennis anymore, but even on the news, there's a lot of uh, images from Italy especially North Italy with floods and etc. I mean, it's just been pouring all over the um, country. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is a horrendous situation. I think yes. I saw 13 deaths was the tally and thousands of people misplaced. Uh, so it really is a horrendous situation. If you sort of look at it outside of the, the tennis bubble, it, it has a wider impact for Indeed. sure. Uh, the other semifinals was Daniel Elahi Galan, who was your pick. He beat Napolitano 6-2-6-1, Koboli 6-4-7-5. Uh, made the semis at both the Challenger 175s in this stretch. What did you make of Galan's week? Yeah, I mean, again, can't really be angry at this. I, I guess we were both in a similar situation this week, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were we were sort of robbed of having our like, like picks face off for Challenger 175. Yeah, final, but then again, like, Galan nice wasn't even... Uh, you know, Galan was like a 50-50 against Kepfer. Baez was, of course, a massive favorite against Gaio. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, we are both in a similar, similar spot where our picks just cannot play on indoor hard. And um, yeah. yeah, that's what happened to Galan. But as you said, a couple of semifinals, um, I guess it's still okay. It's still okay, especially after the, the beginning of the year was so tough for him. And from the quarter for the list, I wanted to mention Lavagno. Who came in as a wild card, beating Luciano Dadetti 7563, Salvatore Caruso 6461, his first career uh, career challenger quarterfinal at 24 years old. What did you make of Lavagno this week? Yeah, we were uh, mentioning it last time, right? That he is in some surprising challenger qualifying form. And he definitely proved it this week, even though he didn't have to get through the qualifying. But yeah, he has a very serious lefty forehand, and um I'm excited to see what he does with this. Um, you know, watching him at some points, maybe not necessarily in the cup in the cap for much, um, but maybe against Darderi. I was thinking of you know someone like Brancacci of Avasori having a pretty late career breakthrough in the past couple of years. I don't think like it's necessarily impossible for Lavagna to have something like this, but of course, for now, um, you know, the contrast between what they have achieved and he has achieved um is still pretty huge. But you know, we, we've seen this happen, um, not only with very young Italians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have been getting high-quality Italians from <laughs> all, all over the place breaking through. He actually breaks into the top 300 with this run, so that will give him more opportunities. Uh, and yeah, I, I, th I think that we will see him make some deeper runs this, this season still. In the doubles, we had Golubov and Mochanov win the title. Uh, they won their first title together after reaching the Rome Challenger final earlier this season. They beat Lamins and John Pierce 
uh, in the final. A team that started in Rome lost first round to Bordeaux champions, uh, Glasspool and Heliovara, but came here and yeah, came, came very close to winning it. So it was 7 6, 6 7, 10 5 in the final. Let's go over to Tunis, where we had Shoshima Bukuro win his second challenger title, beating Jeffrey Blancano. He won his first in Nontaburi earlier this season, beating Artur Kazo. Uh, this week, he started in qualifying, playing Alex Bolt, beating him 6-3, 6-1. Dropped the set to Max Hokus, but beat him 6-1 in the third. Once he was in the main draw, it was uh, a battle for him of every single match, overcoming Olivieri 6-7, 6 3 6-4, Vera 3-6, 6-3, Dugas 2-6, 7-5, 6-3. Uh, Jesper de Jong, uh, he beat completely 6-3, 6-1 to make it to the final, uh, and there he beat Bancano. In the rankings, he moves up 56, plus over 178, breaking the top 200 at 25 years old. What did you make of Shiva Bukuro this week? It's funny, because when he won Montaburi, we were like not expecting that at all. And then no, he yeah. wins Tunis, and we're not expecting that at all either. <laughs> not at I mean, all. <laughs> the guy had like a couple of red clay matches in his career, and um, at the challenger level, none. Um, he made it through the qualifying, and even him beating Hokes was already a minor upset. And then, of course, Parios Vera, De Jong, these were wins that we were not expecting whatsoever. And uh, he played some very fun attacking tennis. I don't know if this can really work out in... You know, in the future for him on clay, if if he bends, if you know, if now suddenly he becomes a clay goat, but of course this is really huge for him. He might miss out on Rangar's qualifying because he's like number four, I think, right now on the alternate list, but he should be easily able to make Wimbledon, and um, that's really you know I would like to see him there uh, with the sort of net play that he showed this week, some servant volleying as well. Uh, maybe he's Absolutely. gonna do. Maybe he's gonna do something uh, at um, at Roehampton, uh, and um, yeah, just as unexpected as he's not a Buriran. Yeah, uh, in the final, he had to play Jeffrey Blancano, for whom it was the second challenger final after he won his first challenger title in Maya 2021, 18 months ago. This week, he overcame Joao Souza six four in the third. Beat Kimer Kopians 6-3 in the third, got a retirement from Maximilian Materer after seven games, 5-2 up. Beat Borna Goyo 6-2-6-3 and moves up 19 spots from 161. What did you make of Blancano this week? Yeah, he's one of the guys who I think like were maybe expecting that they could get a Roland Garros wildcard. Um, I think Mayo had a, had the stronger case, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if like Blancano was one of the last guys they crossed out. Of course, he's also a former junior champ there. And, um, you know, I don't know, sometimes maybe that that sort of um, idea in your head that you need to prove yourself a bit maybe helps you play better. Because, the, the I mean, the route he had here was, like, really tough, playing Souza and, yeah. and Kopeans in the first two rounds. Uh, of course, also the win against Goyo. Uh, he was just trying to sort of outgrind Shimabukuro in the final. Did not manage to do that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think he definitely... Uh, showed that he was like he should have been at least in contention of course we don't really know what what was going on behind closed doors i think he was rightfully skipped probably but definitely was like one of the players they should have considered and i'm pretty sure they did and um yeah a very good week for him for sure yeah i i thought mpg card getting it over my old was definitely the most outrageous of the decisions uh, yeah, I don't I know like if it's outrageous. A, 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 a quality wildcard would have been enough for him, but G. Perry card, 
based on what he's shown and, and Mayo had such a better run on, on clay that I, I think he deserved it a lot more. I think Mbachi would even make it in, wouldn't he? Um into the qualities. But uh, you know, never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Doesn't doesn't really change anything. Yeah. Uh over in the semis, we had Bonagoyo who beat Nicolas Mejia, six four seven six. Then he went on a tear in, in his next two matches, beating Noguchi six two six one, Menshik six two six love, and ended up losing quite easily to to Blancano in the end, two and three, as we said. Fourth challenger semifinal this season for the Croatian. What did you make of him this week? Yeah, second time he plays that like directly for the top 100. I still don't know if in um, Cagliari he really knew that because as I as I said a couple of weeks back, like the situation was very dynamic. So like two hours before he started playing, it still wasn't certain. So maybe he didn't even know at the time. But here he definitely knew. I I mean hundred percent. And I think this is the time also where it maybe showed a bit. <laughs> and yeah, after he crashed uh, Menshik, Noguchi, Mejia, Mejia, well, not Mejia, but Noguchi and Menshik, especially Menshik, of course, I was really fully expecting him to like, you know, I don't know if win the title, but just do it this week. And um, let me say that, um, well, the damage like still hasn't really been done. But he defends 70 points at Ron Garros. So, like, if he doesn't do that, and, you know, it's Bornagoy on clay. Like, he could easily lose in the first round of qualities. We'll see what the draw mm-hmm. is. But um, if he does, it's going to be a bit tricky. Like, of course, he still has so much time. Because, like, in um, after the French, he didn't really do that well on uh, grass. He had, um, in July, he just had three losses. So he would basically have a lot of time until like Washington, Chicago quarterfinals, Washington second round from qualifying. He would have about two months where he's not defending like next to nothing. So I think he would still do it. But it would, you know, it would be a bit of a question mark. Let's see what he does in Paris. But he certainly, um, you know, it, it's a bit of a setback for sure that that loss to Blancano and especially the the extent of it. Yeah, our other semi-finalist was Jesper de Jong, who started in qualifying uh, with 6-2-6-3 and 6-3-6-2 wins over Charles Broom and Arthur Gea. In the main draw, he got a second set retirement from Pablo Cuevas in the Uruguayans' first match back. Hopefully, he will be back fit soon. After that, he beat Alexander Baez, uh, 6-4-6-3, beat uh, Jumhur, 6-3 in the third, but lost quite easily, 3-1 to Shimabukuro. Also, his fourth challenger semifinal this season. What did you make of De Jong this week? Um, yeah, uh, I was expecting him to beat Shabukuro for sure, and like I was probably expecting him to win the title once um, Blanca Nobiligoyo. So maybe another chance missed for the Dutchman, who's been well excellent this year, but just not winning the challengers. Um, he won an ITF 25k, I think, but you know he has been deep in many many challengers and every single time he um doesn't deliver at the at the right moment i'm not actually sure what happened in the semi because i did not watch it but um definitely quite a stunning results there from shimabukuro to only drop four games and over the doubles we had Aribash and sanchez win the title 4-6-6-3-10-5 over mccabe and uwaka we can move on to Oyash, where we had Facundo Diaz Acosta get you a point this week, beating Alexander Vukic 6 4 6 3. Uh, Diaz Acosta's third challenger title, second one this season. Uh, this week he beat Emilio Nava 6 1 7 6. 
Ulysses Blanche, 6475, Albot, he beats 2-2, and two. he beats 7662, so he did not drop a set this week. He is on a 10-win streak, uh, as he hasn't played since the Savannah t- uh, title uh, coming into this week. Still, he drops five points in the rankings, drops down three spots, as he was defending a Coquimbo title, and uh, you cannot fully defend the Challenger 80 with the Challenger 75, unfortunately. A slight oversight, maybe, but you know, I, I, I guess not that big of a deal ultimately. But yeah, what did you make of Diaz Acosta's week? Yeah, he doesn't go up in the rankings, but these points are still going to help him um, in the next um, few. Massively. Um, yeah, massively. He has uh, gotten into the top 100 in the race now. So, you know, it's clear what sort of results he's been getting and like where they could actually take him. I do think that he has a very fine chance of doing this. Maybe actually being ranked a bit lower is going to help him because he's not going to waste time in like ATP tour qualifying, but just play the South American challengers. And we know he can be very dangerous in them. Of course, he's done it many, many times. And uh, yeah, I, I picked him. I'm, of course, very satisfied with how it went. I have to say that maybe the route was not that tough with, you know, three Americans. Most of them generally don't perform on clay. Of course, Moreno de Alboran is a bit different as he's like Spanish-American. But Radu Albot, also not great on clay. Alexander Vukic, not necessarily. So <laughs> it, it was a bit of an easy run. But, um, you know, he, he still managed to uh, keep it together for 10 sets. Um, only uh, had required two tie breaks. Of course, one of them he pretty much should have lost with Moreno de Alboran being 5-0 up, I think. But um, still, 10 wins in a row. And um, yeah, by putting himself in the... You know, Top 100 in the ATP race is just really clear what sort of a target he can um, he can achieve this year if he keeps performing like this. As for Alexander Vukic, uh, it, this was his ninth challenger final, two and seven in the finals. His third final in the last four weeks, uh, coming off the Busan title last week. Both players had nine win streaks going to the final, but Vukic is ended there. Uh, this week he beat Ferreira Silva seven six six three Campania Lee six three in the third, then took out Richard in straight sets beat Melgeni Alves five seven six four six four. He moves up thirty two spots from ninety five, breaking the top one hundred at twenty seven years old. What did you think of Alexander Vukic this week? Yeah, twenty seven might sound a bit late, but of course he was in college, so that's um, at least like four years. You can you can kind of subtract from this. Uh, he hasn't been on the tour for that long uh, compared to, you know, how, well, I want to say, I don't want to say old he is, but, you know, how old he is. And, um, yeah, in the past four weeks, he has managed to amass 257 points, which wow. is insane. And that also maybe kind of tells you, like, what um, smart scheduling can do to you, because, you know, the guy was not going to do much in Madrid or Rome, like maybe Madrid, but mm. Rome, he wasn't really going to do any damage in from the qualifying, right? And sometimes, like, it, it's just better to play South Korea. It's better to play Portugal, apparently, even though we were saying, like, what are you doing here, Alexander Vukic? How are you going to make the journey? But apparently it's possible. And that's actually so, so impressive, right? That he clinched it this week. Yeah. And he still won four matches on clay. And even in the final, I mean, maybe in the last few games, but he was still doing pretty all right physically. It would be very hard, I think, for him to to just grind down Diaz Acosta over like the course of a free set match. Uh, but still, to to win four matches after playing in Busan on Sunday, then having to play in Oirash on Tuesday, uh, the the surface change pretty fast hardcore in Busan and. 
um, just a clay or like a usual clay in Uairash. It's just such a huge, um, yeah, just a huge jump. And uh, I don't know if he's going to have much left for Langarus qualies, but I think he's done like precisely what he wanted to do. Uh, perhaps didn't even think that was possible in just in four weeks, right? But we we have um, mentioned it many times, but last year, Vukic did not win a single match. Like, he won two matches, sorry, between the 8th of March and the 19th of September. So there was just so much to gain in all of these months. Some of that was injury, some of that was just not being great on clay. So, um, yeah, there's actually the potential. Like, like He has a lot more potential to gain points, which uh, doesn't really sound like, you know, he, he is like a top 60 player. No, no. I mean, level-wise, probably doesn't really make sense. But if he's going to keep putting in the results over the next, I don't know, four months or so, he can actually get there, which, um, yeah, would be just a case of, I guess, maximizing what he could do with uh, with the schedule and going to South Korea, which, of course, turned out to be the best decision ever. Yeah, and I mean... The, 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 this is the time where he can really, really push the envelope and, and get as high as he might ever get yeah. in, in the rankings, theoretically. You know, you you, you guys like, you know, Kefir we talked about, he, he's already been to top, like, top 50. And I don't see a reason why Vukic can't do the same uh, in this four-month stretch coming up. Yeah, uh, we, we were both sort of puzzled at his decision to to come here, but once we sort of saw the draw, you could sort of say, okay, Ferreira Silva didn't campaign or qualifier, I think. Like a run to the quarters, what well, wasn't going to be that difficult? And from there, Richard Melijani Alves was struggling. He had a very nice route to the to the final, and he took it. Okay, let's move on to our semi finalists, starting with Nicolas Mora and Alboran, who beat Del Bonis six one in the third. Steve Johnson six three six love and Pedro Cachin six one six four to reach a second challenger semi final this season. What did you make of Mora and Alboran this week? Uh, I guess he can be pretty disappointed with what he did in the semis. I uh, had so many chances to clinch that opening set. And as we all know by now, um, Diaz Acosta actually did not drop a single one over the course of the whole week. So it's especially striking. And uh, yeah, the wins that you mentioned, especially, of course, the one over Kachin, um, that, was, uh, that was a really good match and just a very, very... Um, very comfortable uh, showing in uh, in a match that was not expected to be that with with Katin's form peaking recently, and yeah, just can be disappointed with the with what he did in the first set, and of course that was one of these matches we see in tennis every single week, where um the the person who takes a very tightly contested tiebreak just what goes on to dominate the the rest of the match as well. Yeah. Um. The other guy was Felipe Melgini Alves, who beat Brancaccio 6-1-6-2, Krutik 7-6-7-6, and Pedro Martinez 7-5-6-3. He was 9-14 uh, coming into this tournament, and without Clay, uh, back-to-back wins. He only had back-to-back wins, I think, in like Indian Wells qualifying or Miami qualifying or something. So this was a great run for him. His first Challenger semifinal since last November in Sao Leopoldo. What did you make of the Brazilian this week? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the match that he played with Vukic, of course, had some very high stakes on it, not necessarily for Melikani Alves, but for Vukic, who had the chance to secure his top 100 debut. And I think it was very high quality, actually. Um, I'm not sure why I didn't even put it, um, a bit of a spoiler, but I didn't put it into the, the match of the week poll on Twitter. So um, I, I, I really could have, uh, because I, I think it was a great fight. And of course, with the narrative as well. 
Um, definitely a nice week for Marigan Alves, who I think in like recent times he's mostly really done well in al- on al- at altitude conditions. Or right, I mean this year he hasn't had any deep runs, and I think last year what was like Yasi was his last one or something like this. So um, you know, so, it's been so, it's been so Poto was was his last. Uh, oh, but season. that was also like somewhere pretty high, right? Or just a bit faster. So. Yeah, it's been a while, certainly, since since he had something like this. And yeah, definitely had the chance to be, beat Vukic. I think he was even up in the deciding set, like two love up, three love up, something like that. So Yeah, uh, and we also had Pedro Sosa playing his final career match, losing to Ulysses Oh, actually, um, I don't know if you, if you saw that, but Pedro Sosa said that he um, thinks about playing the Lisbon Challenger in um, September or whatever, whenever it is. Something like that, right? September, October. And uh, because this is like his local home club and etc. But Mm -hmm. he will only do it if he feels like he can be competitive. So we are not sure if he's going to play. Okay, so yeah, potentially his final match here. Uh, He wasn't super competitive in in this one against Blanche, 2667. Uh, wasn't the best thing after he had a lovely run at Oyaraj 250, where uh, making the semis there. Uh, so yeah, hopefully he gets the the Lisbon redemption. And you know, there's always Maya. Maybe if if that doesn't work out, then he can try and be competitive by December. But yeah, who who knows? Uh, the the Pedro Sosa farewell tour maybe continues. In the doubles, we had Johnson and Verbake win their second challenger title of the season. They've been one of the consistently best teams this season. Uh, they beat Faria and Rocha uh, in the final, who were coming off of a final and two semifinals on the ITF tour uh, in these last three weeks and actually pushed them 6 7 7 5 10 6 was the final score for Johnson and Verbake. So we go to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Yeah, maybe let's start with the upset. I'm glancing over the um, I'm like glancing through the uh, bookies right now, and apparently Campania Lee over Guinard had the highest score, which is just so weird for me <laughs> that I kind of can kind of cannot believe it. But anyway, I'm not gonna pick that. I think my pick has to be one of the Shimabukurovs. <laughs> things so Shimabukuro over Barrios Vera will have to be my choice I think we both picked um, Thomas Barrios Vera to win this uh, event he's been magnificent this year and um, yeah to see him get defeated by Shimabukuro perhaps in hindsight you know saying that he won the title and how well he played later on as well that's not as big but you know back when I saw this match that was quite huge so yeah that's what I'm gonna go with yeah I, I will join you on that one Mute over over team for for reason that we talked about earlier that we I considered that one a bit but this on paper was was definitely a, a much bigger upset for sure uh, match of the week who are you going for it's actually kind of tough this week I think um, I had some issues choosing all the options for the poll from Bordeaux and um, Turin because there there were like a few of them I'm actually gonna go with another match though. Um, currently, by the way, in the poll, if anyone is interested, um, you can vote in it for like 22 more hours. So probably, but yeah, definitely by the time you're listening, uh, it's already gone. But at least currently, Menchik versus Yonel is actually the thing, which is interesting. 
I did not expect that. But I will go with the option that in the poll has the least votes right now. And it's catching against Ribeiro in the opening round in Oeiras. As I said on the show last week, I was very excited to see how Ribeiro does in some in some European challengers. And I mean, he delivered, definitely. Uh, he was saving breakpoints um, everywhere against Kachin. I think at the end, the tally was like 21 out of 25 or something like this. Kept coming up with some great serves, forehands and drop shots on all of these breakpoints. Um, lots of drama. Uh, could have maybe... Um, I mean, he, he won the first set even though he really shouldn't have. Saving like six set points at 2-5, including out of 40. So easily could have been a straight set win for Kachin. But um, yeah, just with how clutch he was... He managed to keep it going for so long, and I think it was very, very entertaining. So, um, yeah, glad that we got Ribeiro in the European Challenger, and I hope it looks like this every single time. I will be going with uh, Vukic over Melvin Alves. Of course, the the stakes for the Australian playing for the top 100 in, in that match, uh, playing Melvin Alves, who was having his first good run in, in six months, basically. So uh, he, he of course wanted to maximize that as well. I, I think they both delivered in the in the quality of the match. And it, was, it was a good one. Yeah, absolutely fine choice. Um, before we dive into the Skopje event or the Macedonian Open that we have, um, I just wanted to like briefly uh, maybe um, talk about this because last year there's been like some players, um, especially I remember Renzo Olivo's tweet, but also like maybe Ilya Marchenko in some videos uh, asked it uh, as this you know asked uh, some other players about this and they were all critical um, of this um last year we had like usually four or three um challengers during a grand slam qualifying week which of course led to some very like a lot weaker fields uh, this year we have just skopje and from what i saw in during Wimbledon qualifying, there's also going to be just one challenger. So I do think that this is like a reaction to, you know, the players not liking this. Um, and yeah, just wanted to ask, what do you think about um, about that? You know, now that we're sort of maybe not yet seeing this in motion, but like we know what the field is for Skopje and um, yeah, like should there be more challengers in Grand Slam qualifying weeks or is this just fine? I, I think we're sort of in a in a Goldilocks situation where where the the, the last one was was too big. You, you you shouldn't be having four tournaments during a a, a slam quality. Now I think we we've gone too small. Where I think that we should have two challenger fifties uh, during this week because when you when you look at the qualifying and you look at the guys in there, Sumit Nagal, Mate Balkus, Kashnikovsky, Aydukovic. Well, not, I mean not not Aydukovic ranking wise currently, but they are players of a quality that I think should be playing a a main draw challenger. And I think if you make that a fifty, you sort of ensure that you can't have uh, a, a higher ranked player come in and, and try and vulture it. And I think that would work a lot better to sort of have two fifties instead of one seventy five. In my opinion, what do you think of it? Interesting. I think I'm fine with 175. Just looking at the, you know, at the field in uh, Skopje, we've got like qualifying going down to about 450, 460, which I think is fine. You know, players lower down could pl- easily play an ITF event. It's not like it's just normal for them to play an ITF event. Um, then again, like when you when you said this about Challenger 50s, I think that would make a lot of sense because that would at least um, in in a way, 
eliminates the issue that, for example, Renzo Olivo had with this, that when he's playing Grand Slam qualifying for 25 points and like probably not winning a match in the main draw, uh, that some players are actually playing for a lot more on the Challenger Tour and there's like no one from the top 200 there. And in the Challenger 50, that's actually usually the case. So I think that would maybe solve some issues. And I guess if you want to do a, do a Challenger 50, maybe you should actually have two. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like the the idea, even though this, um, like what we have in Scopy right now, I think works pretty fine as well. Um, I mean, some this, this is just, you know, an example. And of course, we could probably find some that wouldn't really suit this in a little theory. But for example, last year at the US Open, when there was US Open qualies, I remember that um, Banja Luka was like really weak in Europe and Fabian Maroshan won his first uh, challenger title. And like Ooh. right now, I think we're all helpful. Uh, I mean, helpful. We're, I think we're all thankful for this, right? I mean, everyone wanted, uh, may, maybe not everyone was uh, yet familiar with how good this guy can be, but that was like his big breakthrough. That very same week, uh, Oleksii Krutek won his first challenger title and then went on to win a bigger one. Uh, but that was actually a challenger 50, so maybe sort of to your point. And Gabriel Diallo as well won his first challenger title in Grand B. So these events were really giving a lot of uh, like space for lower ranked, but at least in the in these cases, quality players to start, um, you know, to just get a get a um, a challenger title, a challenger final, and then start performing even better but i'm pretty sure like if we went back over the years we will also find instances when some players won these titles and then never really followed it up i mean even in that very same week valentin vashro won his first challenger title and you know he hasn't really done anything since right so um i mean i'm sure there could be examples of you know both ways but yeah just just wanted to mention basically because that was that i was thinking about this this week that maroshan won his first uh, challenger title in a week like that and um you know right now i guess there's less possibility for the for, for this i mean although still no, someone I, can I, break through in skopje yeah we, we we're going to get into the draw but i think from the bottom half it, it is so packed no i just with, mean because it's because it's one event like the only oh, the yeah. only the only thing i mean is because it's one event that's why there's just less options for this but um not because you know there aren't players like this in the draw yeah yeah 250s i think for me is the ideal solution but i think sounds good sounds good the macedonian open draw the top seed being aziz dugaz facing louis vessels uh, winner plays Philip Christian Giannou or a qualifier. Benjamin Hassan plays a qualifier and then Andrew Paulson or another qualifier. Dragos Nikolai Madaras uh, takes a week off from the ITF uh, <laughs> his, his ITF journey uh, to, 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 for history. Uh, he plays a qualifier here and then Eduardo Ribeiro or Steven Diaz. Uh, in his section we also have Buruchaga as the sixth seed playing a qualifier and then Milajevic or another qualifier. Bottom half is packed, partially because there are no qualifiers in the bottom half. We have Francisco Comesania playing James McCabe, winner facing Mili Polichak or Giovanni Fonio. Puccinelli de Almeida plays Oliver Crawford and then Kasper Juk or Max Hokus. Yevgeny Donskoy is the second seed playing Martin Landaluse and then Dino Prismic uh, or Kalin Ivanovsky. Milian Zekic plays Nedimar Fatic and then uh, Gerard Campagnali or Daniel Duta da Silva. In the qualifying, I already mentioned some of the names, but we have Subin Nagal playing in uh, Ramanathan. We have Matu, Mate Valkus. Uh, in this section, we have Max Kashinkovsky playing Blaj Rola, uh, who is back. Uh, he's playing, I, I think this is his first 
challenger and let's say challenger i think so but he played a few ITFs. Yeah, he, i think he, maybe he, he won ITFs, one yeah. right did, did he win one um uh, yeah he did win one and yeah. he lost to the guy that he beat in the final in uh, in the other one so um yeah and he actually lost to pokorny just last week so yeah three itfs one title yeah yeah big up lukas pokorny for beating Bajrola. that's that's wild and he also pushed gerh to seven five in the third after that um but yeah, so, so so that's great to see. Uh, also parallel, basically, to Polona Herzog coming back on the women's side, which is also fun. Uh, they have Idukovic in their section. Uh, Vice plays plays Budfilash. Marco Topo will attempt to play a uh, final of of an ITF three and a half hours away, and then try and make it to his Orlando lose uh, first round qualifying match here. We have Ulysses Blanche playing Wilson Leite, Pedro Boschadin Diaz. Yevgeny Kalovsky, we also have an alternate in here uh, facing a massive new odd card. So we'll see who who takes that spot. That'll be interesting. Don't have the doubles draw yet, but going back to the singles, who do you think will win it all in Skopje? Um, yeah, and it looks pretty open. Uh, there's, as you said, a lot of quality players. Um, I think the chances of us getting a, a point this week are very, very low. So my streak, it will yeah. probably die. However, like even in the qualifying, there's just so much. Like th- some of the names can easily win this event. Sumit Nagal, I mean, come on. Mate Valkos, you've just picked him to win Oirash. Maybe it didn't pan out, but like, of course, we know w- what sort of uh, quality he can bring in, even though he's never won a challenger title. And if, you know, if he just holds up physically, he could easily win this too. Kashnikovsky, Idukovic playing again. I mean, they've just recently faced twice. Uh, if they indeed meet in the final qualifying round, which feels like only Rola can really stop them from from doing this. Um, honestly, either of these guys could go very deep here. Marco Topo, if it wasn't for the fact that he's playing, <laughs> as you said, in Kursumliskaya Banya, and uh, then in driving to Skopje. Uh, if it wasn't for this, I honestly maybe even would have been picking him to win this title, because he, in the past three weeks, he won... Well, he won an ITF, then lost to Layal, and then this week he actually beat Layal and is playing Bas- um, not Basic, but uh, Matis Erhard tomorrow in the final. But also in that one he won, he beat Bonchetri, Tabur of Charenko. It was a really good run. So um, actually his first uh, ITF title. Uh, there's just uh, is Yanaki Milev, whom I recently watched playing the, uh, in, well, you just mentioned the Madaras in the final. He was pretty insane, but he's also playing Boscardin Diaz. And like, yeah, I mean, half of the qualifiers can win this event. Uh, you're very right that the top half is pretty weak. I guess you would expect that Madaras could sh- like should go deep, but of course it's Madaras and he's been playing like a billion matches. He is actually 58 and 6 in 2023 already. And um, lots of them have also come, like he, he has been playing two weeks in a row as well. First in uh, Sweden, where he actually won a 25k and now he's probably winning a 2015 uh, k in Antalya. Tomorrow he is a massive favorite in the final for that ninth ITF title, which would tie the record. Uh, playing Ribeiro possibly in the second round. I don't know if I want to go for the for Madaras. Um, we'll see like what he brings to a challenger. I kind of want to see it first. Hassan is a serious pick too, I think, in this section, but I'm just going to go with someone from the bottom half for sure. By the way, uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm usually checking these draws on Wikipedia. And this is probably the first time I'm seeing a typo in a player's name in a draw. And it's Eduardo Ribeiro. <laughs> so um, 
clearly a very unknown entity still um, at the, at the, you know, for the Wikipedia admins. Anyway, from the bottom half, I'm mostly thinking of two guys. It's actually not not Kasper Zuk. Um, that's because I don't really like his draw here. And uh, that's because one of the guys that I'm thinking of is Puccinelli de Almeida, who's, of course, just won uh, a 50 in, um, in Brazil. Uh, I think he can easily translate this uh, to Europe. Um, the draw is pretty okay for him, I think, if he beats Zuk. And the other guy I'm thinking of is Prismic. He has been like violently exposed a few times already this year, like recently, for sure. Uh, he has been, well, basically crushed by players like Gasquet, by players like um, Team, uh, by players like Kazo. Of course, he then beat Kazo, but also against O'Connell, he was not that competitive. But I think in this quality of the draw, his consistency alone is going to get him deep. Uh, maybe like even Campania League can be tough for him uh, with how he played in Oeiras, but he would have to beat Dutra da Silva first. And I think he lost to him like a couple of weeks ago. Um, so the more I think about this, I think I'm actually going to go with Dino Prismic. Um, I, I have my issue, like uh, I have my reservations in regards to him playing high quality opposition. This is generally on the weaker side when it comes to challengers. So that's why I feel more confident in the crowd in the 17-year-old here that I, I would usually feel. Yeah, I, I also wanted to pick uh, Dino Prismic, but I will not do that anymore. I, I think the argument that I've sort of looked at was, when is the last time he has lost to somebody that is that was like worse than like the average guy in this draw? Uh, Jakub Nitod uh, in October 2022, I think <laughs> is the answer. Uh, you, you, have, you have losses to Team Gasquet, O'Connell, Caso. Beranke yeah, and Berankis and Delor this year. That that's the only six losses that he has taken this year. So yeah, that's that's kind of fair actually. Jakub Nitzot, yeah, so... but Jakub Nitzot was a retirement as well after winning the yeah, title the true. week before. So earlier you've got Zapata Miralesh, Serdarusic, and Tomescu. I guess you would have to go for. Um, I mean, Serdarusic is probably like one uh, of the yeah, best players borderline. in Skopje if he plays it yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So that's the argument for Prismic. I will now pick somebody else than him. Uh, you know, I mean, like, we, we look at the first half. The first half isn't going to be weak because it's going to be filled by all of these great qualifiers that we have. It is just sort of half empty at the moment because all of them are, are up there. Yeah. So maybe I will just take a qualifier. That I, You know what? I'm going to go Matevalkos two weeks in a row. Why not? I I was kind of expecting you to do that, frankly, and I I don't think it's wrong. Like um, in the qualifying, like I would really like to pick Aitukovic, but I just don't want to pick him against Kashnikovsky you know, in the final qualifying round. He just lost to him very recently. Uh, so yeah, Nagal Valkus, they are very serious picks, I think. Yeah, but Valkus also has a Macedonian World card to start, and then yeah. Borg or Vienna to qualify. Yeah, I I think wherever he he lands in that top half, I I've, I think I'll be quite happy with with that pick. Sure. Yeah, and that would be a very good story if all the Hungarian uh, 98, 99 boys uh, like won their first challenger titles in the span of less than a year, because Pirosh won Tampere yeah. in um what was July, uh, Maroshan won in August in Banyaluka, and uh, Valkus getting his would be definitely a nice storyline as well. So yeah, let's let's kind of root for that. But at the same time, if he plays Prismic in the final, uh, I think my 
<laughs> just my my the, the sheer will of wanting to get every single point while you get none will be too much for me to handle and i will actually be rooting for the crowd yeah and i guess one more thing that we need to do is of course the Ron garus qualifying um the way we usually do this if you're listening to an episode like this for the first time is just by um talking about every single section um well just you know going down the down the list basically and both of us are picking um the who we think is going to win then uh, in a week we're going to compare the results last time jakub won 4 and 4 to 2 i think and that was yes. that australian open qualifying draw when everyone had like awful awful results and suddenly one guy Jakub Bobro one guy from Slovakia um, had a normal actually normal score so um, I don't know how he's done it but of course I'm planning to uh, try to fight for the crown that I lost so you know I'm motivated yeah, and, and and I and, and I also won RG last year that we did five to four okay. uh, but but you did beat me at the US Open so you you have that uh, under under your cap but let's get started Top seed Aslan Karatsev playing Pierre Ukerber. What a marquee matchup to start us off here with the winner facing Gabriel Debru or Nick Hart. Other seed in that section is Alexander Bukic, the newest top 100 member, facing Rafael Colignon and the Nicolas Moran de Alboran or Yu Xiu Xu. Who do you like from this section? Um, yeah, Karatsev Herber is actually was actually a semi-final in Prague in 2020 when Karatsev had that big run. Oh, and of yes, course, yeah. even back then it felt like um it felt like it was huge. Here, right now, I don't actually feel Herbert is going to do much damage. And I do have to pick Karatsev. Um, I anytime someone has a huge result and like it's not certain that they will repeat it, I feel a bit stupid. Like when you know I'm probably I'm not guilty of that most of the time, but there are a lot of people who just you know see a random run from someone and then think that it's gonna keep happening. But this draw is just really good for Karatsev, right? I mean, yeah. Kolinion, Vukic, okay, that's tough, but that's who he's gonna play in the third round. And until the third round, there isn't really that much of a threat here. So I think it has to be Karatsev for me. Yeah, and I mean Karatsev, I mean he, he he's a player who we have seen do things uh like uh like across a number of seasons. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that he's more than just a one run wonder. But yeah, Herbert, uh not really the player he used to be, really dubious about his singles form. Then we have Debru, who also hasn't really been up to par this season, and Nick Hart. And as you said, yeah, to get to the final qualifying round, then you have Colignon, Bukic, maybe Morano Dalbran makes it in there. That's a great draw for Karatsev. Uh, yeah, second section, we have Yannick Hanfman playing Mattia Bellucci. The winner of that piece is Daniel Kolaj or Terence Atman. We have Francesco Passaro, the other seed, playing Elias Imer. Winner facing Mark Polmans or Harold Moya, uh, Mayo. Uh, who do you like from this section? Gotta go with the informed players, simply. I think Hanfman, yeah. you know, Bellucci has not been winning matches. Kolaj maybe is a little tough. Um, I could see Passaro or Imer if they like playing well. Imer has qualified for the slums before, like on many occasions. Passaro, of course, hasn't really been healthy, but I can see them troubling Hanfman, but certainly, like, just looking at the draw, there's a big, big gap in terms of his form this year compared to all of the other guys. I mean, he is in the top 50 of the ATP race. Neither of the other players is probably in the top 100 of the ATP race, and it should show on the court, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm joining you on this one as well. 
Hansmann is the best player out of this section. I do hope that it is Mayo against him uh, in the final qualifying round. I, I, I hope he gets a, b- a bit of a run in mm-hmm. here. But yeah, should be should be Hansmann ultimately. Third section, we have Borna Goyo, the third seed, playing Damir Jumhur, winner facing Luka Nardi or Alejandro Tabilo, a really stacked uh, uh, section here. Then we have Filip Misalic is the other seed, playing Enzo Kwako, uh, winner facing Andrea Vavasori or Tito Androge. Where are you picking here? And this is where the fun starts, yeah, because the first yeah. two sections, like everyone is going to go Karatsev, Hanfman, and like there's not even any consideration here. Honestly, you could probably pick anyone but Tito Androge, and it would be a fine selection. Um, just the way the, the, the top half is stacked, the top half of this small section was, as you mentioned, so Goyo Jumkur, Nardi Tabilo. Uh, it makes me want to go for Vavasori or Misolic, which is a strategy that I've actually seen in some other people's picks already as well. And um, personally, I'm going for Misolic. Uh, usually he's just better and like, uh, you know, faster clay conditions. I think it can translate to here. He uh, was, of course, uh, he won Rosetto degli Abruzzi, then was the finalist in uh, Mauthausen, Mauthausen at altitude. But um, I think it can translate to this one. And um, yeah, I was basically thinking Misolic or Vavasori because I just don't want to go into that top half of this section. It's just so competitive and so tough to predict. Yeah, I'm I'm joining you on, on that uh, line of thought as well, but not the same pick. Okay. I am going with Andrea Vavasori here. Uh, easier first round for me, even though he has uh, lost to, you know, Martinez Tepieri last two matches, but he has taken sets. He steps up in, in bigger moments, I feel. Uh, which I think will so, so, sort of makes me believe a bit more. But yeah, picking out of that uh, section with Goyo, Nabdi, Tabiwa, just like one of them making the final qualifying round is so tough. Uh, fourth section, we have Juan Manuel Serundolo playing Zachary Svaida, winner facing Ivan Kachov or Hamad Medjedovic. We also have Norbert Gombosch playing uh, Gibodo, winner facing Jesper de Jong or Maximilian Neukrist. This is another quite stacked section, whoever you picked here. Yeah, so here um, I have like two favorites, basically. Although you could also go for De Jong, I suppose. You could also go for Gombosch, who has been improving. But like the names that uh, that catch my attention the most are definitely Serundolo and Medjedovic. Out of these two, I think I have to go for Juan Manuel Serundolo. Two reasons. One thing is he plays Faidan or Gakov in the first round, and that's already pretty huge. And also, I just feel like in these Paris conditions, he's probably going to be able to outgrind Medjedovic. Um, it's not super easy, definitely not. And yeah, the young Gombosch, they're definitely capable of winning this one as well. Uh, Serundolo has, like, his form is not exactly, you know, what it was maybe even at the beginning of the season or maybe at the at the end of last year. But um, yeah, just, just feel like the conditions are better for him than, Medje- than for Medjedovic. And that's Fida, of course, is a, just a much more for, I mean, you know, he's just, he's just much weaker on red clay than Gakov. That's that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can absolutely see that. I wanted to avoid picking out of Serundolo, Medjedovic. Okay. Even Gakov can be an injury in there, I think. And I will be going with Norbert Gombosch. I had to get a Slovak in there at, at some point uh, in this slug qualifying draw. I like that he starts against the Bob card. And I think it, it, it is an easier path, even though De Jong has been in a good form. Uh, so I think... I think that he'll 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 meet the moment uh, against whoever it is, Serendola Medjedovic or Gakov there. I wish that I wish I could throw in a Polish peak somewhere here, but <laughs> of course there's no Poles in the draw. 
<laughs> yeah, not 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 meant to be this year. The the, the stars have not aligned, unfortunately. Uh, fifth section, we have James Duckworth playing Ricardo Bonadio when you're facing Chem Ilkel or Jeffrey Blancano. Liam Brody plays Atorgea and then Kuzmanov or Nava. Who do you like here? I think, um, you know, this is this is basically a section where no one knows how to play on clay. <laughs> I mean, Blancano, Inca, Ilka, I guess they're fine. Kuzmanov is fine too. But it's not like either of them has been in like spectacular form. I know Blancano has just reached the final in Tunis, but... You know, he, he's not a lock to qualify here. Definitely not. Brody has been injured and doesn't really uh, play on clay that much. Um, so I think I just have to go with Bonadio. He's just the most competent clay quarter here. Uh, it would be very fun to see him playing a Grand Slam. Uh, he was very close at the US Open, actually, which uh, is, is a little surprising, but that's what it was. Uh, of course, it hasn't really been long since he got into that Grand Slam qualifying range. I'm not sure he will deliver, like, if the time comes. Like, if there's a third round against Kuzmanov, for example, or, I don't know, Brody. I don't know if he'll deliver, but he, he just has to be the best clay quarter in this section, and that's what I'm going for. That's, yeah, I, I can see that. I have gone with Jeffrey Blancano, uh, you know, in informed player just coming off of a final. He has qualified here before. He, he's gotten me a point, I think, last year um, in, in this game, so... Yeah, I, I, I like him in this spot. Ilkel uh, has like played, I think, one match on clay since, since that entire comeback, and he's not been in good form outside of that. So I, I'm quite happy with Blancano here. Sixth section, we have Pavel Kotov playing Mikhail Hertz, winner facing Andrei Laksonen or Olivieri. Then we have uh, Heisbrauer playing Juan Pablo Fikovic, winner facing Andreev or Maestrelli. Who do you like here? Andreev Maestrelli, by the way, they played in the opening round of the Australian Open qualifying, which is really fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there it was actually a match where we didn't want to pick out of that because it was just insane. And um, here, it's not quite the same because they haven't been in the best of forms. Definitely not. Um, so uh, this is a pretty weak section, I would say. Uh, no one is in good form, really. And I think just for that reason, I kind of have to go with Kotov. Um, I can't really say he's in poor form. You know, he hasn't really been uh, playing, right, since, since, what, Madrid, probably. But he, he, he did get a few nice wins in Marrakesh. He did get a few nice wins in Barcelona, Madrid, or whatever. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just have to do it because this section is really weak. He was also one of the best performers at the French Open last year, um, which I don't know if it counts for anything. Uh, well, French Open qualifying. I mean, not French Open, French Open. But um, I don't know if it counts for anything. But yeah, in this section, I, I don't really see other peaks there. Yeah, I, I think Kotov will, will come in here and, and take care of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, as 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 you said, has in places Madrid. Uh, there he, he lost twice uh, since he came in as a lucky loser. But he, he took uh, sets off of both Vatanoki and Ota in those losses. Uh, the, the wins that he got in Marrakesh were quite good. The wins in Barcelona were not super impressive. But yeah, I think just sort of almost by default, he he should take this. Seventh section, Yosuke Vatanuki is the seventh seed, playing Andrea Pellegrino. Winner faces Laurent Lacoli, uh, Locoli or Igor Gerasimov. Then we have Lukas Klein here, playing Mariano Navone. Winner facing Flavio Coboli or Erhard. Who do you like here? This one gave me quite a bit of a headache, actually. Um, I think there are 
three, maybe four main contenders. One of them is Klein, you know, saying that he has found some form recently. One of them is definitely Watanuki, but what told me not to go for it is that I think another contender here is Pellegrino. And, you know, Watanuki winning three matches on clay, he can be he can be amazing and then uh like in an individual performance on clay, I think he's definitely capable of making it through. I don't know, it's like a gut feeling that he wants, I guess. So yeah, I'm just gonna go with Koboli. Uh the form is so much better than at the, at the beginning of the year, but also, you know, throughout the second half of 2022 right now. He has a fairly simple opening round, it would seem, against Erhard. I'm very glad that he got the quality's wildcard, but especially after watching him win just three games against Topo today, I don't really feel that confident that he will do well. So, you know, if, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have to, uh, just think of Koboli playing Klein and Vatanuki in Paris, I think he can beat both these guys. And that's more or less what I'm expecting, like, from the, from the draw here, that he is going to have to fight through both Klein and then Vatanuki or Pellegrino. So, um, I, I do trust that he is, is going to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of really struggled with this one, uh, changed it a a bunch of times, but I think in the Mm -hmm. end, I will be going with Klein. Uh, I considered locally at some point because I think Gerasimov here is is essentially a a walking by. And, you know, he he is French. Uh, uh, Vatanuki is is a solid option, but coming off of a loss to Caruso, I'm not super confident uh, against Pellegrino and then locally, but yeah. Klein, I can see him making it through Navona, Koboli, and, and Watanuki. Well, you, you're two out of two on the Slovak peaks. I think there's one more yeah. coming. So, um, you know, there, we'll, there's we'll, we'll there's a lot at stake here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Eighth section, we have Radu Albot playing Vid Kopshiva, winner then facing Chilik Bilek or Peniston. Dennis Kudla plays Sasha Guimard Weinburg, uh, with the winner facing Camilo Ugukarabe or Kaichi Uchida. Who have you gone for here? So this is a bit of a repeat from section number five, where no one can play on clay again. And like the, the only two players that really stand out to me are Copriva and um, Ugo Carabelli. Ugo Carabelli retired in Tunis. Uh, I was still thinking about picking him because he's like his um, little section, you know, the bottom half of this section or whatever is just really, so, really weak. So yeah. I mean, Uchida has won a, a challenger on clay before, I guess, but still, uh, like he's so wildly inconsistent on the surface. Peniston was having some deep runs on clay, but of course, out of form. Albot, I guess he also had some clay runs, right? But nah, I mean, just looking at it, it has to be, it, it, it has to come down to the battle of Copriva, Ugo Carabelli to me, even though it's not certain that, you know, both these guys will make it to round three. Um, it's not like they're in some particularly good form either. In the end, I decided to just go with Copriva mostly because of the retirement from Ugo Carabelli. Someone actually on Twitter just told me that um, that retirement was like a bit weird and it didn't seem like anything was wrong with him. I don't know. Um, my initial instinct was Ugo Carabelli, but then I just switched it to Copriva mostly because of the retirement. But I think it's close. You know what? I I rather Kopshiva, but I think I will flip flop to Ukarabe. If if somebody's saying that nobody was really that, that nothing was really that wrong with him, I you know he he was two five down, so so maybe it was just one of those things where you, you know if if you're a, a petulant uh, type of player and and you want to <laughs> end end the match on, on your terms, maybe then you just do it. 
uh, or you know maybe there is some sort of tweak but, but you, you you like if you're two five down you don't really need to retire unless you're like on a stretcher uh so yeah i i can definitely see making uh, making it out of here kopshiva against albot i'm not that certain he's going to win like i'm not super confident in in kopshiva there even though albot is not like an amazing clay quarter so gukarabe i i trust a lot more all right, section number nine. We have Dominic Stricker playing Yella Cells, who then faces countryman Landro Riedi if he beats Dalibor Sorcina. We have Rinki Hijikata as the other seed playing Thiago Agustin Tirante, winner facing Gautier Clan or Nicolas Davidionel. Who have you gone for here? Yeah, another one that gave me a headache for sure. Uh, basically, anyone but maybe Hijikata and Cells is a valid pick, I think, here. Mm-hmm. Riedi, maybe also not so much because he was injured. And um, when he came back, he actually, again, retired in the same, in the second match he played. Um, I was thinking of, like, both Onkleu and Yonel, but and I, <laughs> maybe because of that, I didn't end up going for it. And I just went with Stricker, you know? He's been playing a bit smarter this year, I suppose. Uh, great level in that Prague event. Stricker still hasn't been in a Grand Slam main draw, which is just insane. And, like, this is... You know, this this is pretty much along with the fact that he hasn't broken the top 100 yet. Like, it's just absurd with, with the sort of potential and talent that he has. Um, I would love to see Stryker Riedi in the second round because it would be a rematch of the Ron Garros Juniors final from 2020. So that would be an excellent story. Um, I'm going with Stryker. Very little confidence about this one because, yeah, that, that section just looks wide open. Yeah, I, I have also gone with Stryker. Uh He hasn't played the last couple of weeks, and his last match was a loss to to Anri Laksonen, but he was, he was coming off of the title yeah. there. So I'm not super worried about it. And, I mean, yeah, with with, with that title, he actually beats Facina on that run, so if he faces him there, he, he's got that head-to-head in his favor. But, yeah, I I, I think it is his time to to finally go and make a slam intro here. If Section I remember correctly, I think I was also picking him to do it at the Austrian Open. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we've picked Srika a, a, a good few times in, in these, yeah. these slab qualities. <laughs> Section number 10, we have Emilio Gomez playing Evan Fernes, winner facing Yoris Delor or Andrea Quiarini. Fabian Marojan is the other seed playing Li Tu, and then Yunqing Shang or Pablo Cuevas. Who have you gone for here? And this is another one of these um, Karatsev-like sections where I was talking about a player having a huge run. I don't actually think he'll play like this, but still, like the section is just so good for Maroshan that um, I kind of struggle to see how he doesn't qualify. You know, maybe he just beats himself, which is certainly a thing that he is able to do like a lot of the time. But still, D2 on clay, um, I guess he is okay like at the ITF level, but... Challengers, I, I don't think so. The backhand just doesn't hold up. Yunchen Shank, Pablo Cuevas, they've been like more in the off the court than on the court recently. Maybe someone like Delor or Colarini could be uh, dangerous to Maroshan, but like the first two rounds just look so good for the Hungarian that I cannot really possibly pick anyone else. Yeah, I'm I'm also meeting you there uh, with Maroshan. Should be beating Litu. Shang, I don't remember the the last time he played. Has he even really played on clay? I don't this, think this so. I would say he Houston, Houston and Sarasota, and he retired from Houston and then took oh, a straight yeah. set loss in in Sarasota. But that was mid April, so he's that was when he played. Um, 
No, who did he play? Ah, Galan, okay. Galan. I, I remember yeah, he played someone good. strong, but still, yeah. I mean, no yeah. wins since the beginning of March. And then Cuevas, I'm, I'm, I might actually try and go and watch what happened there because he is coming off of retirement where he was a set and a breakdown to De Jong, but he won the last game like to love yeah. uh, on serve. So that was a bit weird. So I, I started like there. clicking through it, but uh, it seemed like maybe he was at some point just uh, maybe something with his back or something. But mm. um, yeah, it, it wasn't overly clear, but I also was just, you know, trying to scroll through the replay. I wasn't ac- actually watching it. So, yeah. Uh, Emilio Gomez is coming off of a six love six one loss to Montevalcos. Uh, uh, that, that's what he's coming into this with. So I think it would be Marojan beating Delor or or Coyarini uh, in the final qualifying round there. Interestingly, Emilio Gomez I think qualified for the French before, and it was a big yeah. story because you know his dad won the French. But um, yeah, I don't think that's happening here. I would be very shocked. All right, section number 11, we have Otto Vitanen as the 11th seed playing Antoine Escoffier. Winner faces Timofei Skatov or Gabriel Tialo. Josef Kovalik plays Tomas Barrios Vera. Winner facing Felipe Meligini Alves or Tumli Nouveau. Who have you gone for here? I I don't know. I think I have to go with Barrios Vera. I, I try not to be like, um, not to be too bit disappointed with the fact that he lost to Shima Bukuro last week. I mean, this year has still been just excellent from him. Pretty much every tournament he played, of course, bearing a few exceptions, but that's normal. He's like on track to fight for a top 100 debut uh, maybe later in the year. I think I have to go for him. Maligeni Alves is probably a bit more of a loose cannon and like perhaps can play as well as Barrios Vera can, but I don't think he has the sort of solid level. The top um, half of this section is just completely wild with Skatov seemingly just losing all form. Um, yeah, just out of nowhere. And Vitan and Escoffier Diallo, I mean, they're not red clay players. Um, they're, they're probably not green clay players either, but they would probably fare well there uh, for, for uh, you know, much better there. So that's why I thought I should include it. Uh, Kovalik is not an easy opening round for Barrios Vera, but I think I still have to go with the Chilean. Yeah, I'm I'm also going with Barrios Vera, maybe with a bit more confidence uh, than you are. Kovalik has been really quite bad this season. He's 8-16, and 16, most recently lost to Vitali Sachko in the Austrian Bundesliga, uh, which is like not, not what he should be <laughs> doing. Uh, so I'm very confident that he he that Barrios Vera will overcome him there. Uh, you know, I mean Kovalik, he will definitely try and step up for this match, but the level just hasn't been there this year, almost at any point. Uh, and then you have the top half, you have Vitan and Escopi, Skatov and Diallo, who, who and any any one of them who makes it through to the final qualifying round will be very, very lucky to have that opportunity. Uh, so yeah, Barrios Vera, I think, will be threatened by Meli Genialvich or Tunglin Wu, but he should be he should be getting through those challenges. How dare you not pick Josef Kovalik, but yeah, I, I, I get it. <laughs> with yeah, with with all due respect to him if he's if he's listening. Uh Twelve seed Julio Tepieri, uh playing Nikolaj Basilashvili, winner facing Joao Souza or Santiago Faro de Gesta Verna. Uh, Zizou Berg's is the other seed playing Steve Johnson, winner facing Justino or Ferreira Silva. What are you going for here? Kinda seems like a two-way race, right? I mean, Zapieri had a great run at the French last year. He qualified, then played Hurkac, which was not that competitive, but still, qualifying back then was, was a huge feat for him. And that's why I went with him, I guess. Um, 
with Bergs, I just feel like maybe if he played at least one, two or two events since uh, the you know Sarasota and Tallahassee um, and Savannah, I guess I think he played all three. Um, I, I, if if he just played anything since, maybe I would be like more inclined to pick him. But as it stands right now, I guess I just kind of trust Zapieri a bit more, even though his draw is probably tougher, right? If you have to play Basilashvili and then Sousa Rodriguez Taverna, that's probably tougher than Johnson and Justino Ferreira Silva at this point in time. But um, yeah, it, it's yeah. definitely a two-way race for me right now. And um, I'm just leaning Zapieri, but it's super close. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's very like like they're very similar in that sort of like Sepieri, but Basquiat really retired from his last match in in Rome in qualifying, so I don't know with with what fitness he's going to come into that match. Steve Johnson, I think, similarly will be a, a, a walking by ish uh, at at this at this uh, French Open qualifying, and then they sort of have these more middle of the road players that they will have to face to then potentially face each other. Um, I'm not sure why I've picked Zizou Bergs, maybe because I saw him practicing there like way ahead uh, and <laughs> or something. But yeah, may- maybe I'm more more suspicious of, of Joao Souza potentially stepping up for the moment against uh, Tsepieri than I am uh, of uh, Justino or Pereira Silva there. Yeah, that can be my reasoning for this. All right, section number 13. We have Jean Borpiro playing Dominique Kepfer in an amazing first round. So unlucky for these two guys that they have to play each other here. Winner faces Federico Delbonis or Nicolas Mejia. Raul Brancaccio is the other seed playing Richardas Berankis. And then Thiago Sebofield or Antoine Bellier. Who have you picked here? Um, I gotta go with Sebofield. Honestly, before the draw came out, I was already thinking like Sebofield is going to be in some section and I'm definitely picking him. Like, I don't know what, what has to happen uh, for me not to pick Saberfield. And then I see this and see Piros and Kepfer, and I'm like, oh, is that is that it? <laughs> is that what has to happen? Uh, but no, actually not, because, well, he's only going to play one of these guys, and I'm not even sure which one is going to make it through. Uh, Kepfer has just played two very long weeks. Uh, Piros has had a bit of rest, I think. Uh, maybe that uh, swings, uh, swings it into the Hungarians' favor. And just the first two rounds for Sabofield look like um, he basically cannot lose in them. Like Brancaccio, mate. No, I, I, I don't think he can lose in the first two rounds, realistically. Um, so, yeah, um, because of the fact that he only needs to play one of Pirosh Kepfer, and Pirosh or Kepfer will probably need to play, well, they will definitely play each other and then probably play Sabofield in the third round. I just have to go with the Brazilian. Um, of course, his form in 2023 has been amazing. And I think he's already shown that it's also going to translate to Europe. Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with you there. I've, I've also picked Sebos Wild here. Uh, Brancaccio, yeah, he, he's like one and eight in his last nine matches yeah. uh, on clay. And yeah, lost one and two last week to Melodini. He's actually good on clay, right? It's just that his form yeah, right now is... That... That's the bizarre thing that that he went and had these two huge runs uh, on on hard court where he 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 wins the title in Numea, he reaches the final of Tenerife, and then he gets on clay where he is career wise it's his best surface by a far, uh, and he just has absolutely sucked this year. Like I don't know what's what's going on. Um, so yeah, well, I guess he's kind of back to you know his previous level. Which we, we, I mean, we've seen this before, right? A player comes out and just 
uh, place absolutely yeah, like, I mean, out if, of their if, mind if, for a year and then like even, but but like even his his previous clay level was like see, seemingly better does it does I, I think he just completely lost all confidence Maybe. Uh, as as he as he got into this uh, clay season and he's he's not made a run taken some really not great losses Jekic Martin Tifon uh, yeah so Sebas Wild I like a lot Pirosh Kepfer to me is a, is a 50-50 pretty much so I don't want to pick out of that so Sebas Wild is the pick for me as well section number 14 we have Sebastian Ochner playing Rio Noguchi and then Jan Choinski or Nikolas Kiker Facundo Diaz Acosta plays Franco Agamenone and then Alex Bolt or Oleksii Krutich who do you like here? Um, this section actually reminds me of the one with Bergson Zapieri, where I feel like it's just a two-man, two-man race, uh, two-way race, whatever. Uh, both work. Um, Oleksi Krutik maybe is the dangerous player for Diaz Acosta. For Ofner, I don't even know if there is a dangerous, dangerous player here. To be honest with you, um, going Ofner uh, only because of the fact that he should be more fresh. Um, Diaz Acosta, I know the 10 match win streak wasn't exactly back to back weeks, but you know, he still won a challenger last week. He played quite a lot. So I out of these two, I think I have to go Ofner. Yeah, I have also gone with Ofner here, Diaz Acosta, uh going uh coming in off of a yeah, 10 match win streak, which is great for his confidence. We will see what it's like for him once he has to grind out Agamemnon and then play Kruti and so on. Um yeah, with with Ofner playing Noguchi, Kiker maybe like like the Kiker are competent uh, clay court players. So so we'll see what happens there. But Ofner, what he has shown this year, the the consistency week in week out, all of these finals that he's making, I think that he should be making it through here. Section number fifteen, Facundo Bagnis is the seed playing Luciano Tardelli. Winner faces Matteo Gigante or Xiang Chon Hong. Pedro Martinez is the other seat playing Kimer Kopejans and then Maximilian Marterer or Dan Adet. Who do you like here? And this one is actually really open, I think, and not necessarily for the right reasons. Like, it's not open because everyone is strong. It's kind of open because most of the players aren't at this point in time. Um, usually, probably Bagnis would be one of my selections here, but I just I'm just not convinced by his form at all. Um, there's uh, Marterer who I thought about, but he retired in Tunis last week, and it seemed like a more serious retirement than Ugo Herabellis, which we mentioned. So there's that round one between Copeans and Martinez, and I just figured you kind of have to have one peak where you just go out on a limb, try something different, and I'm just going to go with Kimer Copeans. Uh, reasons for this? I don't know. I still feel like he's playing better than his results have been. Uh, maybe not necessarily, you know, um, it's not a huge edge, but I think the edge is there. I think at some point it should bring him a run, either here or, or, or at some clay challenger. I think if he beats Martinez, he is definitely one of the favorites to win it, if not the favorite to win the this section. You say random pick, but I've also picked Kimer Kopeyan, okay. that's why I was laughing here. Uh, funnily enough, uh, yeah, I mean, just just like nobody is in really good form. Yeah. You have Martirero off of their time and you have Bagnes in poor form. Uh, sort of came down to me of, you know, Copians and Martinez to me seem like the most competent two players in here. So just wanted to pick one of them out and I will be going with Copians as well. I'm assuming that Martinez will be the favorite of this match, but um, yeah, it's not obvious. Yeah, slightly maybe. We'll see. 
Uh, final section, Tomáš Machac plays Luca Pui in a very exciting first-round match. The winner plays Chung Tin Seng or Alexander Richard. Yuri Rodionov plays Brandon Holt. And then Denis Novak or Shintaro Mochizuki. Who have you picked here? Yeah, this one I also was kind of struggling with. But um, then I just figured that the fact that Machac plays Pui and then Tseng or Richard just kind of makes me com- confident that he's going to make it to the final qualifying round. And there... I just don't know who to pick out of Novak Rodionov, I suppose. Mochizuki as well. I mean, he's been getting some results. There's also Brandon Holt, the Grand Slam qualifying goat. <laughs> but I think on red, on red clay, it's probably going to be tougher for him. So um, all in all, I just decided to go with Mahaj because it's um, it's a, pretty much the, the, the top half of this section is quite quite weak. So um, yeah, that's, what I, that's why I'm going for this. Even though when he plays Rodionov or Novak, um, I'm not going to be entirely confident that he makes it through. Uh, yeah, I have gone with Yuri Rodinov. I think he has the easiest first round from this section against Brandon Holt. I don't know how much Holt has played on red clay before uh, or what his experience is with it. So I I, th- I think that was the biggest, biggest factor for me. Novak or Mochizuki is tough, but I think actually... Pui might summon some sort of great level uh, against Makhach in this first round, or he will summon everything that he has uh, within himself at this point for sure uh, at, at, at his home slam. So I, I think that might actually be slightly trickier for Makhach, who also hasn't been in, in the form that I really expected him to be in. Yeah. So I agree. That That's yeah, why it's not it's simple not that it should be Makhach, right? Because usually, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I would say it's definitely Makhach. And then you know the the yeah. last few weeks just haven't been consistent. Uh, con- con- yeah. yeah, just just haven't been great from him. One and three. Um, I just checked on uh, Holt, and um, I I I would have to like um, do a little more digging when it comes to the ITF results. But just looking at when they were held, like the dates, I think he has not played on the red clay ever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's um. Yeah, that, that's that's really it. If he does what he did at the Australian Open or at the US Open, so like qualifies and then beats, um, I guess at the Australian Open he didn't make a big upset, but he beat Vukic and he also was close to beating uh, Bautista Good, right? Like if he does this at the French, that's going to be one of the shocks of the whatever. The century. Yeah, I don't know if the, the century, of the century, but <laughs> some yeah, people yeah, were calling yeah, Maroshan over the century. Some people were calling Maroshan over yeah. Alcaraz the upset of the century. I think the upset of the century will be if Brandon Holt qualifies and beats Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, Brandon Holt beating Taylor Fritz was 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 a bigger upset than Maroshan beating Alcaraz. There uh, were so many bigger upsets. Like I, Brandon I was, Holt I was beating like... Taylor Fritz um, sounds sounds okay to me. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, there, there were so many bigger. Upsets Holt played that, a bit yeah. in the juniors on red clay. Like Ron Garros qualies, something in Brazil. Uh, sorry, qualies, not Ron, Ron Garros juniors, something in Brazil, something in Belgium. So yeah, it, it looks like it, it's been like six, seven years since he played um, a competitive that, match yeah. with, on red clay. Um, yeah, and I guess that's going to be it uh, for today. We've talked about the four events that happened. We've t- we previewed Skopje. We also did the Grand Slam qualifying predictions. Uh, I think if I'm counting it right, we have nine common peaks and seven of them are only, uh, well, the seven of them will be the ones that decide the game uh, or, you know, maybe, maybe no one gets them and then it's just a tie regardless. Anyway, we're going to be back in a week to talk about Skopje, to talk about the qualifying and also to do the draft pick game. 
uh, we do for Rangaros main draw or you know any other ground some main draw it's gonna be um in a week and I guess we'll tell you the rules then uh, because it probably doesn't make sense now and also of course we will preview the free um events that are going to happen in the first week of Rangaros. Uh, which um, I think are like Trostdorf, Vicenza, and something or, so, or something like that. Oh, Little Rock, right? The one where Nishikori is coming back. Yeah, well, what was meant to be? He's no longer coming back there. He's oh, he's not. Two weeks later. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he, he's coming back the same week as Raonic now. Oh, uh, so yeah, he's coming back. It, it's it's in Puerto Rico, June twelfth. That's not great to hear. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, he, he said that it wasn't really a setback. He just didn't feel, like, level-wise oh. ready yet for it. So he just wanted to give himself okay. a couple more weeks in between. So, yeah, you still actually found out um, an injury update on Kei Nishikori on this show. See how um, see how uh, helpful we are. Anyway, as I said, um, see you Almost in a week. Done, We're going to talk about Rangaros uh, and um, Skopje. Bye.